Scripture reading is from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 11 and 16 through 20. And it's on page 54 in your pew Bible in the New Testament. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. That's wonderful. Thank you all. Well, I want to say a special thank you to my wife. She um, she said some words of thanksgiving about me, but I, I, she beat me to it because I was wanting to thank her. Uh, it's awesome to have another preacher in the house. Um, sometimes it is not great to have another preacher in the house, but uh, whenever I go out of town, um, it's, it's nice to know that um, she is uh, willing and even more capable than I of, uh, of preaching a sermon. And she did make a better grade, I think I say this every time, a better grade in homiletics in seminary. So no doubt about that. Uh, I had a good week. It, it was a lot of work. This is my last seminar, um, and I will graduate next uh, summer, next uh, springtime. Jack and I, I think, graduate. He graduates from high school. Um, in mid-May, and then I think the next week um, I graduate, Lord willing, uh, and so um, that's going to be a busy time. But this is my last seminar, and I have one more week after this week uh, in Atlanta, and from there on it's just continuing to write and finish my thesis and get all that stuff together. And I appreciate your prayers while I was traveling, and um, I appreciate your prayers for, for my studies. It's always easier to drive, I found, than to fly. It's a lot longer. It's about a 10, 10 to 11 hour drive with you know a few stops to get gas here and there. 
but it's a lot easier than going through the airport and trying to uh, get a car and, and all that that goes along with it. Uh, but I, I don't mind driving, uh, especially when I come back. It's always nice because uh, it's usually um, later in the day and, and towards the evening, and just the scenery is so beautiful. And there's nothing better than coming over the Mississippi River and driving into Louisiana and uh, just to feel like, okay, I'm not quite home. And I'm a Texan, so to have uh, where you can go three hours and go from one side of the state to the other still mind-boggling to me because <laughs> like, you can't drive to work in three hours in most places in Texas. But uh, it's it, just being able to see the uh, beautiful farmland and the crops, and especially this time of year. Now, I didn't take that picture while driving, but uh, that's a lot of what it looked like when I came over the river. And you know that soil is so rich, that delta soil and uh, can grow so much. And uh, just to be able to look out that and, and um, think about the significance of all that, that we produce here in Louisiana. But I also, I was thinking, I, I read an article this past week about the shortage of farmers and how everybody is now moving into urban centers. Uh, we are no longer, we haven't been in an agricultural society in a long time. Uh, and we're no longer in an industrial society. We, we are uh, in a completely different kind of world. And so people are moving into cities, particularly if you look at a map in the northeast, uh, there are more people gathered in that area than really, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's amazing to see how many people are in that part uh, of our nation. And it makes you wonder, who's going to produce all of our food? Who, who is it that is going to go out and pick uh, all of the corn or run the machinery to pick the corn, to plant the corn, uh, and everything else that, that we eat? I mean, that's where our food comes from. And so we have a great harvest, as you can see there, but the workers are few. And, of course, that is our text this morning that comes out of Luke's Gospel. Uh, it is about a great harvest but it is also about the shortage that Jesus sees in the world uh, of people going out and working in God's work for the world. And so I want to talk about that this morning in terms of what kind of workers God is looking for. And as I look out this morning, I see a lot of workers. And we have a, a July 4th kind of crowd, but it's a lot better than I, I thought it would be. Uh, I, I realize a lot of people are traveling, but you, don't tell them I said this, whoever's not here, y'all are the real workers, right? Uh, you, you are here and uh, you uh, have been working in, in God's fields for a long time. But if you look back at this 10th chapter of Luke, and we've been in Luke for quite a while uh, looking at different things that Jesus is saying to the disciples and to the people around him. And here, again, he is talking about uh, sending them out. He is calling them to go out, and Luke describes it as 70, but everybody else says 72. And it, it does add up better at 72, and it's certainly a more biblical number. But 70 or 72, Jesus is gathering them together, and He is saying to them, I want you to go out 
into all these different villages and all these different places. This is where I'm going to go. Uh, But I want you to go out first and here are the things to do. And so he gives them different instructions about uh, how they ought to go and, and really just to take very little with them. So that they could uh, to, you know, go from place to place and do whatever needed to be done. And so he, he sends them out. And as he is talking about uh, the significance of their work, he does mention this harvest. We find this also in John's Gospel, in the fourth chapter of John's Gospel, about uh, looking out at the fields. And they are, uh, they are white unto harvest. They are ready to go. But there aren't enough people to go out there and take care of them. So Jesus really wants them to understand the significance of how He is placing them in very significant work. The kingdom of God has come near. That's what they're to say to the people around them. And Jesus continues to talk about this. And their understanding of kingdom was God's reign in the world. Now, so many of them, if not all of them, were thinking about that in political terms, right? They're thinking, we're going to have a political movement that will involve some violence, but we're going to take over and throw off the captivity that we're under to the Roman government. But Jesus kept mentioning the kingdom of God is at hand or is it is near, emphasizing something very different than what they thought. And so this was going to be an experience where he would place them to do some things that would help them understand that better. And he does mention the harvest, that there are so many people out there who uh, God wants to draw into that kingdom, into this new way of being Israel. Uh, In our Wednesday night study, we uh, recently read a book by uh, N.T. Wright called The Challenge of, of Jesus. And it was uh, very challenging to read, uh, but it was full of content about this kingdom of God and how God was using Jesus to uh, proclaim that there is a better way to live in the world, that God's plan looks like heaven on earth. And God needed people who could catch a vision of that and begin to live that out in such a way that the world would change. And so Jesus kept talking about this and calling people into this kind of work. And we we see that throughout this chapter. God's placement of them. Now, Jenny and I celebrated our, what, 22 years in a row um, last Saturday night. And we went to the James Taylor concert. If if, uh, you've seen on her Facebook, she, uh, like, jumped over the rail and rushed the stage and stalked James Taylor. Uh, And and we have a special uh, love for James Taylor because when we started dating um, some 23 years ago, uh, just some of those songs, and then uh, I think as she uh, yelled at him, she has this on video, about how uh, we 
played his music as she was laboring with our two children. And uh, then we danced, uh, actually before she went into labor or something like that. But anyway, James Taylor, uh, you know, it was a special concert and, and just, it was really neat to be there. And I remember at the end of the concert, uh, James came back out. You know, everybody kept cheering and he comes back out. And so he's doing his last couple of songs. And I'm looking over to the side. We're just to the uh, the right of the stage. And as I look over, I see these guys that are coming in. They have uh, hard hats on, and um, they you know have have work gear on. And they he, uh, this guy brings them in and has them sit right there on the bleachers. Uh, I guess preparing to come in at the end of the show and to do whatever to start taking down equipment and getting things ready. And uh, these look like younger guys um, who probably didn't even know who James Taylor was. But as they were looking up at the stage, you know, you could just see they, they had the best seats in the house. They could see this all going on. And then they saw James Taylor coming and walking down the stairs right there in front of them. And I just wonder, do they, I mean, do they know this is James Taylor? And do they know all of the music and all the songs and, and just all of the talent that uh, is within that one man, James Taylor? And yet they were in the position to be able to see it all. But I don't know how much they appreciated it. I think with Jesus and the disciples, Jesus is placing them where they get a chance to see the very best of what God has to offer. They get to see this beautiful sight of the harvest of the kingdom of God that is all out in front of them. But I'm not sure that they completely understand what it is that they're seeing. But Jesus keeps putting them right where they need to be to be able to be involved in that and to be a participant in that. So today, as Church for the Highlands, we need to see ourselves as workers that God has placed right here in the kingdom of God. In fact, I'm quite confident that's why you're here today on a, a, a holiday weekend. Because you know that there is something significant about what God does here Not really so much on a Sunday morning, but what takes place between Sundays as we go out into the field, so to speak, as we go out and we serve and we work together, we realize the significance of the kingdom of God being near. And so you're here because you've heard that call. At some point, uh, you dropped your fishing net or you, you dropped whatever it is that was in your hands, and you began to follow Jesus, just like Jesus called those disciples away from their uh, interest and in the things that they were doing, to say, I've got something I want you to do. But maybe you are here because of what he mentions about um, workers. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest, that He would send more workers into the field. Maybe you're here today. You have no idea why you're here. <coughs> But you're an answer to somebody's prayer. You see, that's what the rest of us do, is pray, Lord, help us. We can't do all this work by ourselves. We need more people to come in and to serve with uh, our lighthouse work. And we have Vacation Bible School coming up, by the way. We, We need more people to serve the meal every Thursday night. Uh, as, as we provide this huge meal to the community. 
We need more people to help in the clothing closets because everybody uh, needs clothes and, and people are, are coming by and wanting clothes. Or we need more people to work with uh, those in our uh, Visions of Hope program here, working with uh, those who are most mentally ill in our community. And so we pray for others to come and to be a part of that. So maybe you're an answer to that prayer. I think our church is an answer to somebody's prayer that we started here in this spot and we began to uh, reach out in the neighborhood and, and we began to see that the church has no walls at all and that God has called us to be out in the community more than we're in here uh, in a given week. So that's the kind of worker, workers who are placed, but also to see that God has called us to be the kind of workers who have the authority of Jesus. And this is where it gets really interesting. Uh, Jesus tells them, you know, I want you to go out and, and go with great authority. If you look back here towards the end, and, and I was, uh, as I was in Atlanta, I was talking to some guys who, uh, one of them is a pastor in, in, uh, in Boone, North Carolina, which is pretty close, not too far away from where uh, Charlene Kelly grew up. And I always kid her about this passage of Scripture because it talks about snake handling. And uh, I kind of thought this morning that uh, this is full of snakes, by the way. And uh, no, that would be fun, right? Um, if I'm not leading it, it would be fun. But uh, he talks here about snakes, and that's where people in some of those places in Tennessee and especially in West Virginia, they have snake handling services. They take this scripture literally. Uh, they never have any scorpions. Why not? I mean, that would be more interesting. But anyway, they have all these uh, snakes there. And, and But Jesus is talking about something very different here in terms of the kind of authority that they have over evil. And so he is telling them, as you go out into the communities, know that you can speak words that God has given you to speak. Words about the kingdom. Words of good news. Words calling people to, to turn away from their own agendas and to take on the agenda of God. And then he also mentions that they can heal people. So you have to think, this is a pretty significant moment for these disciples. They have seen Jesus heal people. And now they get to go do the same thing. So really, they are being deputized for God. Now, when I think about a deputy, I can't help but think about Barney Fife. <laughs> there is no greater deputy, right, than Barney. And what is it that Barney has in his pocket one bullet, right? And really, he's not supposed to use it, but just in case. And so, uh, you know, Barney is deputized or, or he is given authority to, to enforce the law and, you know, to do the things that, that he is supposed to do. And it's always funny in the show to watch Sheriff Taylor. Uh, he knows that he's an idiot, but he, I guess he's the only uh, idiot in town that is uh, qualified to be able to, uh, to help him out. But he is always going in behind him, right? trying to, you know, kind of take care of things, or he smiles in such a way where, you, you know, he, he realizes uh, what's going on with Barney and, and what needs to happen, and he makes it happen. Uh, yet, Barney has that authority, and he is given that authority 
by the sheriff. And, and I, I, I'm not calling us idiots, and I don't think that, um, that, that we are incapable of doing our jobs, but we really don't have the spiritual authority or any authority of all apart from what God gives to us through the commission of Jesus. And so Jesus has called us to be workers who have that kind of authority. And that authority involves speaking, right? It's not that we go and tell people, uh, you know, that God is judging them or that we're judging them or, um, you know, tell them all kinds of terrible things. There's enough bad news in the world, right? There's enough discrimination and, and uh, people being you know, judgmental of one another, especially in this day and time. So we don't need that, but we need people who are in the church to go outside of the church to proclaim the good news, to say that God loves you. God has a better way of being a human than any of us know. And it's going to look like Jesus. And if if we will live like Jesus, then we will be fulfilling what God has for us and our world will get better. I mean, you think about all the hate in our world. And uh, we've talked about last several weeks the hate that was um, there in in Orlando and and just in this past week in Bangladesh and um, Turkey and all these other places, and we look around us and we see it's happening, and and it could happen right here in our community. What power do we have to stop it? I don't know. I don't know what the answer to stopping that kind of evil is. But I do know that we have been given authority to live out what Jesus has commissioned us to do. And with the belief that that is going to change the world. Think about how many people, I don't know how many people we have here this morning, but uh, you know, we'll average 70 or, or so, uh, maybe 72. And you think about that, Jesus sent that many out, and only 12, really only 11, had any idea what they were you know, doing or getting into. And just through a small group of people, God changed the world. So why couldn't it happen with us? If we see the kind of authority that God has given to us to use our voices and to bring healing, just as they were called to heal, we can bring healing to a world that is broken and hurting and in need of God's love. But another aspect of of being a worker is that our names are written in heaven. That's good to remember in difficult times. And that's what Jesus said to them. They come back after going and and healing people and doing all these great things. And I, I love the imagery or, you know, they were supposed to shake the dust off their sandals. And preachers talk a lot about that. Because when you really get mad at your church... Um, you know, there's that uh, desire to just, you know, shake the dirt off and, uh, and walk out. And uh, I've never had that desire here. But um, I talked to some pastors this past week who, uh, who do. Um, and one of my professors, well, never mind, I, can't, I really can't tell that story. But uh, 
we, we understand that Jesus is not only calling them to significance in their lives, He is saying, look, don't get hung up with your authority. Don't get hung up with all the great works that you're going to be able to do, whether it is uh, healing people or uh, being involved in, in making a society better, whatever it is, don't get hung up on that because you couldn't do that apart from God. What you should do is rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice, Jesus says. Put, put all of your emphasis there, all the work that you're doing. In fact, I'm, I'm sure Jesus kept reminding them, as you pick up your cross, which is particular to Luke, as you pick up your cross and follow me, remember it is a cross. And remember that whatever they've done to you, they're going to do the same to you. And so there's a price to pay, but in the midst of that price, realize that your name is written in heaven. I remember the first paycheck I ever received. Uh, I started working <clears throat> when I was a junior in high school, mainly so I could get out of school early. And I worked um, at a business, a title company, Landmark Title. And I remember when I got my first paycheck, and it you know, had my name on there, and I remember taking that to the bank and, and depositing that, and I think it was like $10 or something. But as I, I took it and um, got my, uh, my check cashed, um, I kind of thought, well, uh, I wonder if I'll get another paycheck. You know? And so, yeah, sure enough, two weeks later there was another check, and I thought about the, just how neat it was to be on the payroll. I've never been on a payroll before, but the fact that my name was written there and it was because of some work that I did that I really loved to do, and uh, I was getting paid for this kind of work. Jesus says to the disciples and says to us today that we can know we're on the payroll, right? That we are workers, and as he mentions there, you know, a laborer deserves to be paid. And we are going to be paid, some in this life, but more in the next life, as Clay mentioned uh, about, um, you know, going home and being with our loved ones or being in heaven. And God is reserving a place for us there as well. Isn't that something to rejoice about? And we ought to continue to look at that as bombs go off in our world, as people are hated because of how God has made them, uh, whether it's skin color, their sexual orientation, or what country they're from, or what religion they are. As these kinds of crazy things happen in our world, we can know that God has called us to serve in the midst of it all with our eyes on heaven. The kingdom of God has come near. Let us pray.